Chapter Two of Russian Fairy Tales by William Ralston Shed and Ralston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kevin Davidson. Part Eight. In one of the numerous stories about the Baba Yaga, four heroes are wandering about the world together when they come to a dense forest in which a small izba or hut is twirling round on a fowl's leg ivan the youngest of the party utters the magical formula izbushka izbushka stand with back to the forest and front towards us and the hut faces towards them its doors and windows open of their own accord the heroes enter and find it empty one of the party then remains indoors while the rest go out to the chase the hero who is left alone prepares a meal and then after washing his head sits down by the window to comb his hair suddenly a stone is lifted and from under it appears a baba yaga driving in her mortar with a dog yelping at her heels she enters the hut and after some short parley seizes her pestle and begins beating the hero with it until he falls prostrate then she cuts a strip out of his back and eats up the whole of the viands he has prepared for his companion and disappears after a while the beaten hero recovers his senses ties up his head with a handkerchief and sits groaning until his comrades return then he makes some excuse for not having got any supper ready for them but says nothing about what has really happened to him on the second day the second hero is treated in the same manner by the baba yaga and on the day after that the third undergoes a similar humiliation but on the fourth day it falls to the lot of young ivan to stay in the hut alone the baba yaga appears as usual and begins thumping him with her pestle but he snatches it from her beats her almost to death with it cuts three strips out of her back and then locks her up in a closet when his comrades return they are surprised to find him unhurt and a meal prepared for them but they ask no questions after supper they all take a bath and then ivan remarks that each of his companions has had a strip cut out of his back this leads to a full confession on hearing which ivan runs to the closet takes those strips out of the baba yaga and applies them to their backs which immediately become cured he then hangs up the baba yaga by a cord tied to one foot at which cord all the party shoot at length it is severed and she drops as soon as she touches the ground she runs to the stone from under which she had appeared lifts it and disappears the rest of the story is very similar to that of the norka which has already been given only instead of the beast of that name we have the baba yaga whom ivan finds asleep with a magic sword at her head following the advice of her daughters three fair maidens whom he meets in her place ivan does not attempt to touch the magic sword while she sleeps but he awakes her gently and offers her two golden apples on a silver dish she lifts her head and opens her mouth whereupon he seizes the sword and cuts her head off as is usual in the stories of this class his comrades after hoisting the maidens aloft cut the cord and let him fall back into the abyss but he escapes and eventually he slays all the three heroes and flings their bodies on the plain for wild beasts to devour this skazka is one of the many versions of a widespread tale 
which tells how the youngest of a party, usually consisting of three persons, overcomes some supernatural foe, generally a dwarf, who had been more than a match for his companions. The most important of these versions is the Lithuanian story of the carpenter who overcomes a laume, a being in many respects akin to the Baba Yaga, who has proved too strong for his comrades, Perkin and the Devil. The practice of cutting strips from an enemy's back is frequently referred to in the Skazkas, much more frequently than in the German and Norse stories. It is not often that such strips are turned to good account, but in the Skazka with which we have just been dealing, Ivan, finding the rope by which he is being lowered into the abyss too short, ties to the end of it three strips he has cut from the Baba Yaga's back, and so makes it sufficiently long. They are often exacted as the penalty of losing a wager, as well in the Skazkas as elsewhere. In a West Slavonian story about a wager of this kind, the winner cuts off the loser's nose. In the Gaelic stories it is not an uncommon incident for a man to have a strip of skin cut off him from his crown to his soul. The Baba Yaga generally kills people in order to eat them. Her house is fenced about with the bones of the men whose flesh she has devoured. In one story she offers a human arm, by way of a meal, to a girl who visits her. But she is also represented in one of the stories as petrifying her victims. This trait connects her with Medusa, and the three sister Baba Yagas with the three Gorgons. The Russian Gorgo's method of petrifaction is similar. In the story referred to, Ivan Dievich, Ivan the servant-maid's son, meets a Baba Yaga, who plucks one of her hairs and gives it to him and says, Tie three knots, and then blow. He does so, and both he and his horse turn into stone. The Baba Yaga places them in her mortar, pounds them to bits, and buries their remains under a stone. A little later comes Ivan Dievich's comrade, Prince Ivan. Him also the Yaga attempts to destroy, but he feigns ignorance and persuades her to show him how to tie knots and to blow. The result is that she becomes petrified herself. Prince Ivan puts her in her own mortar and proceeds to pound her therein until she tells him where the fragments of his comrade are and what he must do to restore them to life. The Baba Yaga usually lives by herself, but sometimes she appears in the character of the house-mother. One of the skazkas relates how a certain old couple, who had no children, were advised to get a number of eggs from the village, one from each house, and to place them under a sitting hen. From the forty-one eggs thus obtained and treated were born as many boys, all but one of whom develop into strong men but the forty-first long remains a poor weak creature, a kind of hop-o'-my-thumb. They all set forth to seek brides, and eventually marry the forty-one daughters of a Baba Yaga. On the wedding night she intends to kill her sons-in-law, but they, acting on the advice of him who had been the weakling of their party, but who has become a mighty hero, exchange clothes with their brides before lying down to sleep. Accordingly, the Baba Yaga's trusty servants cut off the heads of her daughters instead of those of her sons-in-law. Those youths arise, stick the heads of their brides on iron spikes all round the house, and gallop away. 
when the baba yaga awakes in the morning looks out of the window and sees her daughter's heads on their spikes she flies into a passion calling for her burning shield sets off in pursuit of her sons-in-law and begins burning up everything on all four sides with her shield a magic bridge-creating kerchief however enables the fugitives to escape from their irritated mother-in-law in one story the heroine is ordered to swing the cradle in which reposes the baba yaga's infant son whom she is ordered to address in terms of respect when she sings him lullabies in others she is told to wash a baba yaga's many children whose appearance is usually unprepossessing one girl for instance is ordered by baba yaga to heat the bath but the fuel given her for the purpose turns out to be dead men's bones having got over this difficulty thanks to the advice of a sparrow which tells her where to look for wood she is sent to fetch some water in a sieve again the sparrow comes to her rescue telling her to line the sieve with clay then she is told to wait upon the baba yaga's children in the bathroom she enters it and presently in come worms frogs rats and all sorts of insects these which are the baba yaga's children she soaps over and otherwise treats in the approved russian bath style and afterwards she does as much for their mother the baba yaga is highly pleased calls for a samovar or urn and invites her young bathwoman to drink tea with her and finally she sends her home with a blue coffer which turns out to be full of money this present excites the cupidity of her stepmother who sends her own daughter to the baba yaga's hoping that she will bring back a similar treasure the baba yaga gives the same orders as before to the newcomer but that conceited young person fails to carry them out she cannot make the bones burn nor the sieve hold water but when the sparrow offers its advice she only boxes its ears and when the rats frogs and all manner of vermin enter the bathroom she crushed half of them to death says the story the rest ran home and complained about her to their mother and so the baba yaga when she dismisses her gives her a red coffer instead of a blue one out of it when it is opened issues fire which consumes both her and her mother similar to this story in many of its features as well as in its catastrophe is one of the most spirited and dramatic of all the skazkas that of vasilisa the fair in a certain kingdom there lived a merchant twelve years did he live as a married man but he had only one child vasilisa the fair when her mother died the girl was eight years old and on her deathbed the merchant's wife called her little daughter to her took out from under the bedclothes a doll, gave it to her, and said, "'Listen, Vasilisa, dear, remember and obey these last words of mine. I am going to die, and now, together with my parental blessing, I bequeath to you this doll. Keep it always by you, and never show it to anybody, and whenever any misfortune comes upon you, give the doll food and ask its advice.' when it is fed it will tell you a cure for your troubles then the mother kissed her child and died after his wife's death the merchant mourned for her a befitting time and then began to consider about marrying again he was a man of means it wasn't a question with him of girls with dowries more than all others a certain widow took his fancy 
She was middle-aged and had a couple of daughters of her own, just about the same age as Vasilisa. She must needs be both a good housekeeper and an experienced mother. Well, the merchant married the widow, but he had deceived himself, for he did not find in her a very kind mother for Vasilisa. Vasilisa was the prettiest girl in the village, but her stepmother and stepsisters were jealous of her beauty and tormented her with every possible sort of toil, in order that she might grow thin from overwork and be tanned by the sun and the wind. Her life was made a burden to her. Vasilisa bore everything with resignation, and every day grew plumper and prettier, while the stepmother and the daughters lost flesh and fell off in appearance from the effects of their own spite, notwithstanding that they always sat with folded hands like fine ladies. But how did that come about? Why, it was her doll that helped Vasilisa. If it hadn't been for it, however, could the girl have got through all her work? And therefore it was that Vasilisa would never eat all her share of a meal, but always kept the most delicate morsel for her doll, and at night, when all were at rest, she would shut herself up in the narrow chamber in which she slept, and feast her doll, saying the while, "'There, dolly, feed. Help me in my need. I live in my father's house, but never know what pleasure is. My evil stepmother tries to drive me out of the white world, teach me how to keep alive, and what I ought to do.' Then the doll would eat, and afterwards give her advice, and comfort her in her sorrow, and next day it would do all of Vasilisa's work for her. She had only to take her ease in a shady place and pluck flowers, and yet all her work was done in good time, the beds were weeded and the pails were filled, and the cabbages were watered and the stove was heated. Moreover, the doll showed Vasilisa herbs which prevented her from getting sunburnt. Happily did she and her doll live together. Several years went by. Vasilisa grew up and became old enough to be married. All the marriageable young men in the town sent to make an offer to Vasilisa. At her stepmother's daughters not a soul would so much as look. Her stepmother grew more and more savage than before, and replied to every suitor, "'We won't let the younger marry before her elders.' And after the suitors had been packed off, she used to beat Vasilisa, by way of wreaking her spite. Well, it happened one day that the merchant had gone away from home on business for a long time. Thereupon the stepmother went to live in another house, and near that house was a dense forest, and in a clearing in that forest there stood a hut, and in the hut there lived a Baba Yaga. She never let anyone come near her dwelling. She ate up people like so many chickens. Having moved into the new abode, the merchant's wife kept sending her hated Vasilisa into the forest on one pretense or another, but the girl always got home safe and sound. The doll used to show her the way, and never let her go near the Baba Yaga's dwelling. Autumn season arrived. One evening the stepmother gave out their work to the three girls. One she set to lace-making, another to knitting socks, and the third Vasilisa to weaving and each of them had her allotted amount to do. By and by she put out the lights in the house, leaving only one candle alight where the girls were working, and then she went to bed. The girls worked and worked. Presently the candle wanted snuffing. One of the stepdaughters took the snuffers, and as she were going to clear the wick, but instead of doing so in obedience to her mother's orders, she snuffed the candle out, pretending to do so by accident. "'What shall we do now?' said the girls. 
There isn't a spark of fire in the house, and our tasks are not yet done. We must go to the Baba Yaga's for a light. My pins give me light enough, said the one who was making lace. I shan't go. And I shan't go either, said the one who was knitting socks. My knitting needles give me light enough. Vasilisa, you must go for the light. They both cried out together, Be off to the Baba Yaga's and they pushed Vasilisa out of the room. Vasilisa went into her little closet, set before the doll a supper which she had provided beforehand, and said, "'Now, Dolly, feed, and listen to my need. I'm sent to the Baba Yaga's for a light. The Baba Yaga will eat me.' The doll fed, and its eyes began to glow just like a couple of candles. "'Never fear, Vasilisa, dear,' it said. "'Go where you're sent. Only take care to keep me always by you.' As long as I'm with you, no harm will come to you at the Baba Yaga's. So Vasilisa got ready, put her doll in her pocket, crossed herself, and went out into the thick forest. As she walked, she trembles. Suddenly a horseman gallops by. He is white, and he is dressed in white, and under him is a white horse, and the trappings of the horse are white, and the day begins to break. She goes a little further, and a second rider gallops by. He is red, dressed in red, and sitting on a red horse. And the sun rises. Vasilisa went on walking all night, and all next day. It was only towards the evening that she reached the clearing on which stood the dwelling of the Baba Yaga. The fence around it was made of dead men's bones. On the top of the fence were stuck human skulls, with eyes in them, instead of uprights at the gates were men's legs instead of bolts were arms instead of a lock was a mouth with sharp teeth vasilisa was frightened out of her wits and stood still as if rooted to the ground suddenly there rode past another horseman he was black all dressed in black and on a black horse he galloped up to the baba yaga's gate and disappeared just as if he had sunk through the ground and night fell but the darkness did not last long. The eyes of all the skulls on the fence began to shine, and the whole clearing became as bright as if it had been midday. Vasilisa shuddered with fear, but stopped where she was, not knowing which way to run. Soon there was heard in the forest a terrible roar. The trees crackled. The dry leaves rustled. Out of the forest came the Baba Yaga, riding in a mortar, urging it on with a pestle, sweeping away her traces with a broom. Up she drove to the gate, stopped short, and snuffing the air around her, cried, Fa, fa! I smell Russian flesh! Who's there? Vasilisa went up to the hag in a terrible fright, and bowed low before her, and said, It's me, Granny. My stepsisters have sent me to you for a light. Very good, said the Baba Yaga. I know them. If you'll stop a while with me first, and then do some work for me, I'll give you a light. But if you won't, I'll eat you. Then she turned to the gates and cried, Ho, thou firm fence of mine, be thou divided, and ye wide gates of mine, do ye fly apart. The gates opened, and the Baba Yaga drove in, whistling as she went, and after her followed Vasilisa and then everything shut to again. When they entered the sitting-room, the Baba Yaga stretched herself out at full length, and said to Vasilisa, "'Fetch out what there is in the oven. I'm hungry.' Vasilisa lighted a splinter at one of the skulls, which were on the fence, 
and began fetching meat from the oven and setting it before the Baba Yaga, and meat enough had been provided for a dozen people. Then she fetched from the cellar kvas, mead, beer, and wine. The hag ate up everything, drank up everything. All she left for Vasilisa was a few scraps, a crust of bread and a morsel of suckling pig. Then the Baba Yaga lay down to sleep, saying, "'When I go out to-morrow morning, mind you cleanse the courtyard, sweep the room, cook the dinner, and get the linen ready. Then go to the corn-bin and take out four quarters of wheat and clear it of other seed. And mind you have it all done. If you don't, I shall eat you.' After giving these orders, the Baba Yaga began to snore. But Vasilisa set the remnants of the hag's supper before her doll, burst into tears, and said, "'Now, dolly, feed, listen to my need. The Baba Yaga has set me a heavy task, and threatens to eat me if I don't do it all. Do help me.' The doll replied, "'Never fear, Vasilisa the fair. Sup, say your prayers, and go to bed. The morning is wiser than the evening.' Vasilisa awoke very early, but the Baba Yaga was already up. She looked out of the window. The light in the skull's eyes were going out. All of a sudden there appeared the white horseman, and all was light. The Baba Yaga went out into the courtyard and whistled. Before her appeared a mortar, with pestle and a broom. The red horseman appeared, the sun rose. The Baba Yaga seated herself in the mortar and drove out of the courtyard, shooting herself along with the pestle, sweeping away her traces with the broom. Vasilisa was left alone. So she examined the Baba Yaga's house, wondering at the abundance there was in everything, and remained lost in thought as to which work she ought to take first. Then she looked up. All her work was done already. The doll had cleared the wheat to the very last grain. "'Ah, my preserver!' cried Vasilisa. "'You saved me from danger.' "'All you've got to do now is to cook the dinner.' answered the doll, skipping into Vasilisa's pocket. "'Cook away, in God's name, and then take some rest for your health's sake.' Towards evening, Vasilisa got the table ready and awaited the Baba Yaga. It began to grow dusky. The black rider appeared for a moment at the gate, and all grew dark. Only the eyes of the skulls sent forth their light. The trees began to crack, the leaves began to rustle, up drove the Baba Yaga, Vasilisa went out to meet her. "'Is everything done?' asked the Yaga. "'Please to look for yourself, Granny,' says Vasilisa. The Baba Yaga examined everything, was vexed that there was nothing to be angry about, and said, "'Ah, well, very good.' Afterwards she cried, "'My trusty servants, zealous friends, grind this my wheat.' There appeared three pairs of hands, which gathered up the wheat and carried it out of sight. The Baba Yaga supped, went to bed, and again gave her orders to Vasilisa. "'Do just the same to-morrow as to-day. Only besides that, take out of the bin the poppy-seed that is there, and clean the earth off it, grain by grain. Some one or other, you see, has mixed a lot of earth in with it, out of spite.' Having said this, the hag turned to the wall and began to snore, and Vasilisa took to feeding her doll that all fed, and then said to her, what it had said the day before, "'Pray to God and go to sleep. The morning is wiser than the evening. All shall be done, Vasilisa, dear.' The next morning the Baba Yaga again drove out of the courtyard in her mortar, and Vasilisa and her doll immediately did all the work. The hag returned, looked at everything, and cried, "'My trusty servants, zealous friends, bring forth oil from the poppy-seed.' 
three pairs of hands appeared, gathered up the poppy-seed, and bore it out of sight. The Baba Yaga sat down to dinner. She ate, but Vasilisa stood silently by. "'Why don't you speak to me?' said the Baba Yaga. "'There you stand like a dumb creature.' "'I didn't dare,' answered Vasilisa. "'But if you give me leave, I should like to ask you about something.' "'Ask away. Only it isn't every question that brings good. Get much to know. All soon you'll grow.' "'I only want to ask you, Granny, about something I saw.' As I was coming here, I passed by one riding on a white horse. He was white himself and dressed in white. Who was he? That was my bright day, answered the Baba Yaga. Afterwards there passed me another rider on a red horse, red himself, and all in red clothes. Who was he? That was my red son, answered the Baba Yaga. And who may be the black rider, Granny, who passed me just at your gate? That was my dark night. They are all trusty servants of mine. Vasilisa thought of the three pairs of hands, but held her peace. Why don't you go on asking? said the Baba Yaga. That's enough for me, Granny. You said yourself, get too much to know, old you'll grow. It's just as well, said the Baba Yaga, that you've only asked about what you saw out of doors, not indoors. In my house I hate having dirt carried out of the doors. And as to over-inquisitive people, well, I eat them. Now I'll ask you something. How is it you managed to do the work I set you to do? My mother's blessing assists me, replied Vasilisa. Eh? Eh? What's that? Get along out of my house, you blessed daughter. I don't want blessed people. She dragged Vasilisa out of the room, pushed her outside the gates, took one of the skulls with blazing eyes from the fence, stuck it on a stick, and gave it to her, and said, Lay hold of that. It's a light you can take to your stepsisters. That's what they sent you here for, I believe. Home went Vasilisa at a run, lit by the skull, which went out only at the approach of the dawn, and at last, on the evening of the second day, she reached home. When she came to the gate, she was going to throw away the skull. Surely, thinks she, they can't still be in want of a light at home. But suddenly a hollow voice issued from the skull, saying, Throw me not away. "'Carry me to your stepmother.' She looked at her stepmother's house, and not seeing a light in a single window, she determined to take the skull there with her. For the first time in her life she was cordially received by her stepmother and stepsisters, who told her that from the moment she went away they hadn't had a spark of fire in the house. They couldn't strike a light themselves anyhow, and whenever they brought one in from a neighbor's, it went out as soon as it came into the room. "'Perhaps your light will keep in,' said the stepmother. So they carried the skull into the sitting-room, but the eyes of the skull so glared at the stepmother and her daughters, shot forth such flames, they would fain have hidden themselves, but run where they would, everywhere did the eyes follow after them. By the morning they were utterly burnt to cinders.' Only Vasilisa was none the worse. Next morning Vasilisa buried the skull, locked up the house, and took up her quarters in a neighboring town. After a time she began to work. Her doll made her a glorious loom, and by the end of the winter she had weaved a quantity of linen so fine that it might be passed like thread through the eye of a needle. In the spring, after it had been bleached, Vasilisa made a present of it to the old woman with whom she lodged, 
The crone presented it to the king, who ordered it to be made into shirts, but no seamstress could be found to make them up until the linen was entrusted to Vasilisa. When a dozen shirts were ready, Vasilisa sent them to the king, and as soon as her carrier had started, she washed herself, and combed her hair, and dressed herself, and sat down at the window. Before long there arrived a messenger demanding her instant appearance at court, and when she appeared before the royal eyes, the king fell desperately in love with her. "'No, my beauty,' said he, "'never will I part with thee. Thou shalt be my wife.' So he married her, and by and by her father returned, and took up abode with her, and Vasilisa took the old woman into her service, and as for the doll, to the end of her life she always carried it in her pocket. End of Part 8 Recording by Kevin Davidson www.blogordie.com